Bob Mueller's experience and character convinced me that he's ready to shoulder these responsibilities. Agents of the Bureau prize three virtues above all, fidelity, bravery, and integrity. This new director is a man who exemplifies them all. Congratulations. Thank you very much, Mr. President. Hey, insiders, thanks for joining Ann Milgram and me for the rest of our conversation about Bob Mueller's congressional testimony. Let's just dive back in. Can I take issue with one one thing you said just yeah, a little bit? you can so, take issue with all the things I, I said. I, I thought Nadler <laughs> did a great job in the actual questioning of Mueller. So I agree with you on that. The, the one frustration, I think I would call it... Um, that I had when I was listening to Nat, when I was watching Nather, and he's the chair of the committee, there were times where Robert Mueller was not allowed to answer the question. Where No, true. Like, there's a level of control that the chairperson of the committee has to exert. There were times where people were just went on attacks against Mueller, and then his time ran out. If I were the chair or you were the chair, we would have given Mueller time to answer. We would have told the Congress people to allow him to answer. And so I thought Nadler was great on the questions, but on the running of the committee, I would have liked it a little bit tighter. Well, the constraint on him, in, his, in fairness to him— and I don't represent Jerry Nadler in this, in this debate, uh, and I'm not sure I would have... I'm still giving him a big, a good grade, by okay. the way. all right. Just maybe not an A. All right. Um, I mean, there's more hearings, so you know he'll have other grades uh, during the semester, I, I, I presume, <laughs> that he was operating under a, a serious constraint, which was he only had a certain number of hours with Bob Mueller. In this case, I think there was agreement about three hours, and lots of members on that committee. It's you know, got like 40,000 members on the committee, and lots of them wanted to make sure that, I think all of them, wanted to have the opportunity to ask, if not five minutes, at least a couple of minutes of questions. In fact, that's the reason why the hearing was postponed from last week to this week, because when last week it was only supposed to be two hours, fewer members would have been able to ask questions. So Nadler was was racing against the clock and enforcing the five-minute rule more strictly than I think you're right than would have happened in an ordinary hearing. I just think if you and I were in front of a judge and we were questioning a witness and we repeatedly cut off that witness, the judge would say to us, Cut it out. Yeah, look, Let the witness answer. For, for either side, whoever's doing it. The way I've always seen it. it done is the five minutes applies as follows. So long as you've gotten in a question by the end of the five minutes, and that question is pending, in fairness to the, both the question asker, but also in fairness to the, to the witness, you let the witness answer the question because then you just have the implication of an obnoxious or misleading question sometimes. That's right. To, to allow it to be unanswered um, leaves a bad, you know, may leave a misimpression in the minds of listeners. Yes. And I think we saw that a couple times today. Again, I'd still give him a good grade, but he's not the star pupil. The Democrats today, I think, were very much looking to extract from Robert Mueller specific details from, from the report and the report's findings and also try to get him to go beyond them and make conclusions and such, as we've already said, he wouldn't do that. But the Republicans had a pretty, I think, a set agenda of their own. Um, and there were a number of places where they they sort of came at that, and we can go through them. One of them was Robert Mueller had interviewed with the president to be the FBI director. Well, that that's an interesting one, right? Because Trump keeps saying... Before he became special counsel. Right. And it's bizarre, right? Because the one thing the president is not an expert on, it's conflict of interest. And who should or should not recuse themselves yes. from an investigation? This was the fight he had with Jeff Sessions, his attorney general, who recused himself because I think he made his own analysis. But also, more importantly, the career ethics folks said, 
you need to recuse yourself from all of that. And meanwhile, you have something frivolous and trivial and also made up with respect to Bob Mueller. One of them, as you just mentioned, was this idea that Trump has put forward that Bob Mueller, even though he'd already been FBI director two times. Yes, for many, years, many years. Ten yes. years, then they had to change the law for two more years. And then, you know, Jim Comey, who the president says is his very close friend, they have made clear that they know each other, they're friendly, and they're business associates. Uh, that in the aftermath of that, that Bob Mueller at that age would decide to maybe think about doing another 10 years as FBI director makes no sense. But more importantly, Mueller himself testified and they faced a pretty strong questioning that, yeah, he had a meeting with the president and the president talked to him. But it was in the context, according to Mueller, of talking about, you know, who might be good for the job and what the qualities you're looking for in a person who might take the job. And he was not applying for the job. Yeah. And a lot of the Republicans asked him about that. That was clearly a very, very strong talking point. Um, another very strong talking point was the Steele dossier. And just to foreshadow where I think this is going, a lot of the members of Congress said, thank goodness that we have the inspector general doing an investigation into whether or not the FBI was corrupt in doing, uh, whether or not the FBI was corrupt in doing an intelligence investigation um, and basing FISA warrants of Carter Page off of um, the Steele dossier and whether or not the law enforcement agencies relied on the Steele dossier in a way that was problematic. And so they're signaling that, and Mueller was very clear in saying this wasn't part of my work, but the members of Congress, the Republican members of Congress were really clear in saying, well, we think that this whole thing, despite the fact that there were 37 people who've been charged with crimes and all the Russian interference stuff, which we should talk about in a minute, despite all of that, we think that this was was based on faulty and faulty intelligence and essentially on the surveillance of a political campaign. And so do you think, I mean, I think I would argue that they probably scored points for the base today and that this was a pretty um, strategic move. Well, I don't want to say strategic, but this was, this was a, this was part of an agenda today to try to make this a part of the narrative, which, which has been happening. Yeah. Look, and I think there are other points scored that were not illegitimate, uh, not just, you know, based on an agenda. And one of them we should talk about representative Radcliffe, Republican, Seems like a pretty smart person, even if you don't agree with him. All right. Now, in explaining that special counsel did not make what you called a traditional prosecution or declination decision, the report on the bottom of page two of volume two reads as follows. The evidence we obtained about the president's actions and intent presents difficult issues that prevent us from conclusively determining that no criminal conduct occurred. Accordingly, while this report does not conclude that the president committed a crime, it also does not exonerate him. Now, uh, I read that correctly? Yes. This whole idea of whether or not Mueller exonerated the president, didn't exonerate the president, he said, no, did not exonerate the president. You know, he raised a legitimate point. And the argument is, and other people have made it, he made it better than some, was that it sounds like you're inverting the burden of proof. Now, your report, and today you said at all times the special counsel team operated under, was guided by, and followed Justice Department policies and principles. So... Which DOJ policy or principle sets forth a legal standard that an investigated person is not exonerated if their innocence from criminal conduct is not conclusively determined? Can you repeat the last part of that question? Yeah. Which DOJ policy or principle set forth a legal standard that an investigated person is not exonerated if their innocence from criminal conduct is not conclusively determined? Uh, Where does that language come from, Director? Where is the DOJ policy that says that? In what manual or in what guideline is it written that prosecutors are supposed to 
it'd be in the business of exonerating or not exonerating people. You decide to make a charge, and then if you don't, you shut up about it. Um, and it's kind of, you know, it has surface appeal. Uh, and, it, you know, I'll tell you one other funny sidelight. I thought that he was scoring points on this issue of inverting the burden of proof. And where, where is it that it's written that this is part of your job to make a proclamation of not exoneration? I've never done it. I've never said someone is not exonerated. You've never done it. You don't do it. This is a peculiar circumstance. Uh, and I actually just, I gave him a compliment on Twitter. And I said, um, Congressman Radcliffe is is doing a pretty good job in the early part of his question. Then, then later he sort of devolved. And half my Twitter feed said I was like a, a, an idiot. And the other half of my Twitter feed said, Preet is really good at sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't. Right. It also just shows a little bit how you know, I worry that people see what they want to see. And, you know, if, if you want Mueller to do well, you think he did great. And if you want Mueller not to do well, you think the questioners did great. Um, one of the answers to this to this issue that Representative Ratcliffe has raised about the inversion of, of the burden of proof, yeah, in the ordinary circumstance, you don't say no exoneration. This is not ordinary. The president already has the benefit of being uniquely the only human being in the country who cannot be prosecuted and one of the only human beings who can, in that light, because of that circumstance, can be held accountable by the by the Congress. So you have to make clear that it's because Bob Mueller is bending over backwards to be fair to the president and not only not prosecuting him, and it looks like there's enough evidence to do so, but also not even saying that there's enough evidence to, to show a commission of a crime he said, we decided not to decide. Right. So he's actually giving a huge benefit to the president. And the context of that... It is a huge benefit to the president. It, you understand this. But he also doesn't want to give the, the other false impression that he's giving the president, you know, a clean bill of health and a blessing on the behavior. It is, it is weird. And I understand why it seems And if he weird. hadn't put that line in, that we cannot exonerate the president on this, it would have been read and interpreted as an exoneration. And we've already seen the president went out and said it was an exoneration. So Mueller was trying very hard not to let it be a whitewash of there's no evidence of obstruction of justice, but you're completely, completely right on this. I also think it's one of those arguments that it sort of on its face makes a little bit of sense. But I, I think there are two important points to be made about this, which is, first of all, Remember that Attorney General Barr knew that Mueller was not going to make a call on obstruction yes. three weeks before. And it is, you know, Mueller wouldn't answer these questions, but it's very clear that Bill Barr, who was Robert Mueller's boss and has told us he was Robert Mueller's boss, could have said and did not say to Robert Mueller, you need to make a call. He is the head of the Department of Justice. He could have said, look, I know the OLC regulations. I know you can't charge him, but I want you to make the call. Whether you think it's fair or not fair, this is mine to make. And Bill Barr, I would argue, did not want that to happen. And the reason he didn't want to happen is that he knew the call that Bob Mueller would make, which I believe is the president should be charged with a crime or would have been charged with a crime. And number two, it gave Bill Barr the opportunity to go in and frame Mueller's report the way that Barr wanted to. And so I think that this exoneration point was a, it was an important point today during the conversation. It's a complex point. But ultimately, you know, I wanted there was there was one representative who asked, you know, sort of asked this question of like, did, did um, Barr tell you and Mueller wouldn't answer it? Did Barr tell you to, to make a call and Mueller wouldn't answer it? But I think that there is something very, very important there, which is that Barr could have, and the administration chose not to. Thanks again for becoming a member of Cafe Insider. Listen to the Cafe Insider podcast every Monday with me and Ann Milgram, and stay tuned every Thursday. <laughs>